welcome to Side Alpha Leadership, a podcast where leaders can share their experiences and discuss what leadership means to them. I'm your host, David Polikoff. Hello and welcome to this month's edition of Side Alpha Leadership. I'm your host, David Polikoff. And on the phone with me, I have my good friend, Sam Villani. Sam is no stranger to Side Alpha Leadership. He's been on here several times. Um, it's always good to, to connect back with him. So we are kind of like like minds and, and uh, we kind of think the same way when it comes to leadership and things like that. So without uh, going on any further, Sam, welcome back to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me back on, Dave. I uh, truly appreciate you carving out some time on uh, on your Labor Day. I know you got to work tomorrow, um, but uh, it's nice to have you on the phone and, and just to kind of kick back and just just talk stuff, you know, things that we've always talked about. So digging right into the show, as we, as we talked online, it's promotional season, uh, which means that uh, we're coming into the fall months, so you're going to have... Uh, the counties, the agencies that uh, we work for or that you may work for that are starting their promotional process, be it for sergeant, lieutenant, uh, captain, battalion chief, uh, assistant chief, whatever. Um, So I want to kind of touch base a little bit on that of uh, navigating the promotional process and how you can bring your leadership style, some skills to the the actual process itself um, to try to set yourself apart from maybe the average candidate. And then uh, from there, we'll probably segue into being that new officer or the new battalion chief and and, uh, how you can earn that leadership credibility and and earn that respect. And then, uh, as always, we'll probably dig into training because that's kind of where you and I uh, come from with with the training whether we're doing with uh, training at our training academy with recruits or we're training on the road uh, throughout the country with uh, capital fire so with that let's jump right into the topic so let's talk about promotion um, you're fortunate enough that uh, 10 months ago you were promoted to battalion chief uh, you went through the promotional process so in that time what do you feel you brought to the table when you were taking that promotional exam? And for those that don't know, our promotional exam for battalion chief is strictly an assessment center. There's no uh, written uh, multiple choice test or anything like that. It's it's basically an assessment center. That's I think it's divided up into three parts with a written, an oral, and then you actually have a tactical situation. So how did you prepare for that, Sam? And uh, what do you think maybe set you apart from the other candidates to score well on the list and then ultimately get promoted? Um, I actually, and I've talked to some folks that just took our last uh, battalion chief's exam, not, not during their preparation because I was involved with actually writing the, the last battalion chief's exam, but uh, after and, bef- and before I got tapped and, and talking about the fact that uh, it's easy to over-prepare for something that is, uh, you know, that next step um when my uh battalion chief when i was a captain uh, my last assignment at one engine uh in downtown silver spring my captain uh or my my captain my battalion chief mark davis when i, when I sat down and talked to him about it he said um it was like uh, leaving one job and starting another and i thought about that and i got in my head a little bit about it and um i over prepared and not not over prepared in like the tactical scenarios or things that I, as I found out, we, we do on a, on a shift to shift basis. But, um, I thought 
maybe there was a little more to uh, us needing to know the, the inner workings of county government, uh, the council, uh, long-term planning, the master plan, that kind of stuff. Um, the good about it is I learned a lot. I learned a lot of stuff even though it wasn't directly relevant to uh, my evaluation um, to test as a battalion chief. But I, the bad of it is that, you know, I felt like I, maybe I wasted time. I could have prepared more. Um, I could have redirected that effort to preparing more for the stuff that actually ended up being on the exam. Um, nonetheless, I, I, I still scored well. Uh, I think that probably has to do a little bit with the fact that um, I'm a good test taker. I, I did prepare well. And uh, I've been involved with uh, not only uh writing the tests and, and being like a part of the uh, previous examinations, not, not for battalion chief, but for uh, captain and the lieutenant. But I, I work in our command competency lab as a dispatcher. So I, I kind of had the, the tactical side of things down. Um, but I really was uh, kind of pleasantly surprised, even though I felt like when I left there, it was five hours straight of stuff and my, my brain was so racked that I, I turned the wrong way, leaving the place to go home. Um, I felt like, okay, well, there was nothing in there shocking. Uh, I was just a little surprised that there wasn't some stuff in there that I thought would be in there. But I think that stuff's probably for a higher rank. But, again, I prepared for that kind of the stuff that ended, not, not, ended up not being on the, the exam that I prepared for. I, feel, I still feel like I learned quite a lot about the inner workings of our, uh, our county government supports our department, obviously. Yeah, knowing the – you know, being able to do tests for the uh, line officers' positions, captains and lieutenants, you kind of have an idea of what the assessment center is. Plus, you know, moving through the ranks from lieutenant to captain and then captain to battalion chief, you already knew what an assessment center was. And and like you said, it's so easy to get yourself psyched out and and really over prepare for the test. If and a lot of people may be thinking, well, is that is really such a thing? You can over prepare? Absolutely. You could start getting in the weeds of knowing the, the minute details of each individual policy that may not even be something that is testable that would affect you on a day-to-day basis for the battalion chief. Well, one of the things that I found taking the tests through the years is that uh, they're really testing you on your day-to-day skills, the, the things that you're doing 90% of the time. Um it's, it's almost like a rabbit hole when you start studying. You see a policy. Oh, you know what? Let me go through that policy real quick. And then as you go through that policy, then another one to catch. Oh, you know what? There's There might be some information in that one. And next thing you know, you know, you're reading the entire policy and procedure manual, you know, thousands of pages of stuff. Um, it's not. I'm not saying it's not good information to know, but uh, for the for the test that you're taking, um, it it definitely uh, you know can overload the brain. Now you play in the part of the dispatcher for our command competencies, which what for those that don't know, that's uh, every year every command officer, every chief officer in the county, whether they're career volunteer, uh, administration, or in operations, if they want to be a certified chief officer, they have to um, be evaluated, a peer evaluation every year through our command competencies. And with you having your radio background, Sam, and you being able to be, quote unquote, the dispatcher, you got to see how the entire process worked. You got to see how we talk on the radio, the things that they're looking for. So I would say you definitely had a leg up. Um, I wouldn't say that uh, you were that was a cheating by any stretch of the imagination because you set yourself up in the past 
for being a radio guy and then being a valuable part of that particular process for a command comp. So you got to see how it worked. You got to see how those command charts worked. You got to see how we set up groups and divisions and things like that. So I would I would want to believe that when you went in to do your tactical portion, um, you felt a little more comfortable. You knew what was being said on the radio and you probably had an idea of what was coming next. The thing is, you got to put the pieces together in order to be the command officer for whatever incident's being run at that time. So you have to know the policy and procedures for that particular incident. Yeah, absolutely. And and even though I was, you know, I've been a dispatcher actually uh, since the inception of our command comp program, I've been a dispatcher. Um, save maybe like one year where uh, some things changed, but then they ended up needing folks back. So. Um, but I, I never. The, the thing is, I yeah, I, I get to hear the, the different folks operate on the radio. But uh, our our process is so. Um, I think it really is uh, pretty intact. Um, in that it doesn't. It, it kept me in my role. I, I like when it came to the evaluation and and the uh, the peer evaluators talking about the uh, how the how the the person being evaluated did and sat them down and that kind of stuff i was definitely not privy privy to that information so i i uh i stayed in my lane um did the dispatching and that kind of stuff but it's still hearing different i got to hear you know uh many command officers run through that uh in an evaluation scenario and you, you tie that together with just listening to every box alarm i mean if you really love this job um every time the the active 91 goes off you're tuning in so uh, the couple of those things together, um, e- even without dispatching, just listening to every box alarm, I think you can get a pretty good grasp of, of maybe what they're going to look for. Uh, our, our testing folks um, actually do a job analysis uh, prior to um, putting on the exam. So they have a pretty good idea of what our field battalion chiefs are doing uh, in a day-to-day before we even sit down and write the exam. So that's a pretty good thing. And uh, I think it, it, it definitely makes for a better test. Yeah, our um, command competencies, I feel, is so good. Um, we at Capital Fire have taken a condensed version of that, um, got it on the computer, and we take it on the road. And uh, I know you've done that with me several times up and down the East Coast, whether it be at, you know FDIC or in MAFC in, in, in Atlanta. Um, and it's always a sellout crowd. We always have a bunch of people that are in there that want to – run through these reps of, uh, of this command competency. And then they, you know, at the end, they always come up and say, well, what do we got to do to get a program like this together? And uh, believe it or not, it's not that difficult. It's a little, little bit of money on the front end. But uh, at the end, um, just having the people put it together and, and keep it uh, consistent, uh, I think that uh, the program is, is, is pretty simple to keep up and running. Now, coming up with new scenarios, I'm fortunate enough to be in on our county's um, – um, command comp team where we actually do, do the development every year. Um, that's not an easy process. And, and the guy that runs that, Kelvin Thomas, who's a, uh, the battalion chief for training, um, he does a lion's share of the work, but we get a bunch of folks co- that come together and, and we put these scenarios together. And, and uh, to see it all start from you know creation to pushing that out through the masses is actually it's pretty satisfying to see how it works out and that uh, we know that that uh, we're giving them a good product so you know again you setting yourself up for being the dispatcher being a vital uh, person in that process 
of that command comp. You got to hear the end. You may, like you said, been privy to the conversations that we were having with the other command officers behind closed doors, but you got to hear how it flowed, and you got to hear so many different command officers of how it worked. So I would say you probably had a little leg up on the uh, on that particular process. And the other thing that I, I tell people is that uh, you really need to know the job that you're testing for. Um, if you're testing for battalion chief, you can't go in as a captain. You have to go in thinking like a battalion chief. And a lot of people are like, well, well how do you think like a battalion chief? And, and, and you hit the, the nail on the head, Sam. It's like, well, when these box alarms go out, instead of sitting down watching TV, go listen to it. Go listen to it on the tactical channel and hear what they're saying and hear how command is being uh, established and then how it's being passed and, and all the things that they're saying. And then you start to hear the, the rhythm. Take a look at the tactical worksheets. That's like uh, our accountability board uh, in the command center. You should know how to use one of those. Um, you should know how to talk on the radio. You should know the policies that uh, that affect the day-to-day operations of uh, you know when we're running emergency incidents. So um, if you want to score well on the test, whether it be lieutenant captain, battalion chief, assistant chief, you have to know the job that you're testing for. So... Speak a little, little bit about that, Sam. How did you prepare yourself? I know you studied and all that stuff, but how else did you prepare yourself to know the role of the battalion chief? You know, when you're when you're a captain doing captain stuff day to day, how did you get that into that mindset of being that battalion chief when you're going for the test? Well, I definitely had, um, you know, I have a, a slew of good mentors. Uh, thankfully, I have a good rapport on and off duty with uh, a lot of battalion chiefs who I hold uh, in high regard, including yourself. Uh, Kel- Kelvin's been one of my big mentors, Chief Thomas, Chief Davis, of course. Um, you know, I've had, uh, a, you know, uh, th- th- I mean, I could name I could name a dozen of them right off the bat. And, and, and folks that aren't even just battalion chiefs anymore that are assistant division chiefs who I've, I've just listened, listened to them, not only on the fire ground, but in the firehouse. And, um, you know, one thing I didn't, I, so, you know, I, I feel like, yeah, the, the, my participation as a dispatcher gave me a leg up. I, I wish, so let's say I didn't have that. Um, I had a very recent conversation with one of my lieutenants who's going to take the next captain's exam, and she was talking about trying to get every opportunity she could to be a part of the uh, the um, promotional process for other, other departments. In our, in our region, uh, in the National Capital Region, we end up uh, being able to participate uh, in the promotional process with other departments, other agencies. And um, she, I think she hit the nail on the head. Like if you, if you don't get this opportunity, this unique opportunity that I got to, to, to dispatch for the command competencies program, another way to get a good, a good view of how, you know, your next promotional level exam runs is to be, to be a, uh, a role player or, to be an evaluator for an exam process for a neighboring jurisdiction, even if it is just for your rank, you're still getting a pretty good picture into how a promotional process works. I don't think the, I'd say the, the biggest, the, the one that's probably more different in our area than anywhere else uh, that I know of is, is Fredericks. And I really love it. I really wish a lot of the departments would adopt it. They kind of do this day in the life thing where uh, for company officers, you know, they're, they're, riding the apparatus, giving direction. I mean, physically riding a fire truck at their academy, um, directing uh, personnel to put fires out. And then their battalion chief, literally, uh, from what I understand, I talk to a few of the folks up there, is they come in in the, quote unquote, come in in the morning and, and do, do the lineup, plan the day, run a few calls, and do some admin tasks, which is as close as you can get to what we actually do. 
I really love that idea of, of how they do that, this day in the life thing. And I have a feeling that there are other, other departments, uh, maybe not in our region, but certainly uh, nationwide that do the same thing. And I think it's probably, it's as close as you can get to truly evaluating somebody for that next rank. And the, the, I'd say that the big, the big uh, problem, the caveat to it is it, it, t- it takes a lot more time than it does to do a traditional promotional process because you're, you know, a lot of time and money and, and sometimes for, for departments, that's, that's really tight. That's maybe not, not attainable, but anyway, that's, I, I thought about that and I was like, man, that's, that's definitely a way to get a leg up is being able to participate as an evaluator um, in, in other people's uh, processes. I like the uh, when I took my captain's test. They did something that was very similar to that, which was Dan Life and the captain. We were sitting at a desk, and they were just throwing scenarios out at us, going through an entire day of you know this issue happened, this issue happened. You know what do you do? I thought that was probably one of the better tests that I ever took. Um, so yeah, I was I'm kind of familiar that Frederick had had done something like that where they're actually out and they are hands on doing their thing. And yeah, it may be a little time consuming. You may have to hire back some overtime, but at the end of the day, you know that you're getting the best um, that best candidates that can operate under that pressure with a hands-on uh, experience. So you know, I, I think that is is pretty good. You know, that's a thinking outside the box thing. And like you said, I'm sure there's other departments out there that are doing that uh, thing. So you know, my hats off to you guys as opposed to. Be sitting in a suit and tie and just sitting behind a desk, you know, trying to spew out, this is what I would do if I was a captain and, and you know, just kind of, you know, fumbling their way through it. Um, like you, I, I got a chance to participate in some uh, outside uh, opportunities to be a, an outside uh, evaluator for other people's uh, assessment centers. And I remember I did it a handful of times uh, in other jurisdictions and I took a ton of notes. And, and that's valuable information because a lot of organizations are going to these outside vendors that are running the tests for them. Um, So the first day you go there, they're telling you how the process works and how we evaluate. And uh, if you're looking at moving forward in the process um, through your career, take a ton of notes because most of these outside vendors operate the same way. They evaluate the same way. So when you have all that information, now you have an idea. You have a peek behind the curtain of, of how it all works and the things that they're looking for and the things that you may need to say in order to score you know, extra points uh, through the particular dimensions that you're being evaluated on. Um, I purposely don't do anything with our promotional test in Montgomery County because I like to uh, give the opportunity to people that are taking the test to what I used to do is they would come to me and we'd have an all-day session on uh, whatever promotional exams happening, answer their questions, run them through some scenarios and things like that. Um, Because of COVID, the last uh, thing that I did was for the last batch of battalion chiefs, I actually had a Zoom uh, call and it actually worked out really well because I could be in my basement and everybody could get on the Zoom call and um, I had I think I had like twenty or twenty five um, um, participants in that and I think they all did really well on the test I know uh, one's already gotten promoted um, <laughs> but it was really relaxed to where you know it was more of a question and answer thing I had some quick powerpoints that we went through we talked about policies. <laughs> But the biggest thing that I that, that I told him is that you need to be yourself. You know, first of all, you need to be able to uh, test for the position that you're applying for. Like I said earlier, you know, if you're going for battalion chief, you need to think like a battalion chief. But you have to think like a battalion chief 
as yourself? How would you handle that situation as a battalion chief? And you find that the people that are comfortable in their own skin and can operate as themselves taking this test, they do really well. And, uh, you know, I tell people, don't fake. Don't try to be something you're not because you're not a professionally trained actor. You can't be anybody else but yourself. And um, so I think that that information that I'm able to give them um, is is fairly decent information. Uh, I know that they still enjoy me doing stuff like this, and there's other people that do that. Uh, I do it for free, obviously. Um, but uh, I always get emails. Hey, are you going to do anything for the captain's exam? Hey, are you going to do anything for the lieutenant's exam? And then I'm usually scrambling trying to put something together because I'm not really paying attention to those particular tests that are coming up. But uh, So let's transition a little bit, Sam. Let's, let's talk about... Um, as a line officer, a new line officer, you just got promoted. Um, normally in our county, they when you get promoted, you're taken out of the station that you were working in, and they put you in another station you know, or even another battalion. So you may be surrounded by uh, people that you don't know or maybe people that you sort of know, but in a battalion that you don't run in. Um, so you're really thrown out of your element. What advice can you give to these new officers that are out there that uh, want to – do well. They want to earn that respect, um, but they also don't want to seem overwhelmed or be like a deer in the headlights thing. What kind of advice would you give to that that new officer that's just coming into a new assignment? Well, like you said, uh, definitely be yourself. I think um, be realistic about your expectations. I think it's easy to go in and hammer um, you know, even as a float officer, go in and kind of hammer them with your expectations. But um, something that's really worked well for me in the past um, is go in and feel the pulse. And thankfully, with our department, we're big. Uh, but if you're if you're tuned in, uh, involved in any, and again, you know, you want to get promoted, you want to you want to do well, get involved in things like the training academy, um, things where you get to not only uh, practice, teach the craft, but you're also practicing. If you're teaching somebody how to put an SCBA on. You're doing it too. Um, and then you're also learning, you're also seeing these new people. So, you know, you're not getting into a firehouse and you're like, well, I know these senior guys, but I don't know these junior guys too well. If you have a rapport um, with, you know, even half of the shift, you're off to a good start because uh, they know you, you know them to an extent. Um, going in and hammering them with expectations, uh, you know, that sometimes it turns them off. Um, you can go in and, and really field test the water a little bit, um, see how things roll and then, then lay them down. And that's what I've always done. I've, I, you know, I even as a newer battalion chief, uh, as a new brand new battalion chief, really, um, my expectations, I didn't, I, I, I put them on paper, but it was one page and it really didn't. Um, the first thing on my, all my expectations was I know you're already laying out. I know you're already wearing your PPE properly. I know you're already training with your folks. I'm, I'm going to make those things given and unless I see otherwise. So it's kind of saying, okay, listen, I, 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 I know I'm coming into a battalion that's put fires out that saved lives. Um, that's that, you know, the, the, the battalion chief I'm relieving wasn't a schlub. Uh, so I'm, I'm assuming you're already doing these things. So I'm not going to tell you to lay out. I'm not going to tell you to read the IRP. You're already doing those things. But what I am going to tell you are some things that I, I expect because, you know, I am a little different. I'm a little more personable probably than most. Um, 
you know, things like, uh, let, let me, let me advocate for you before you, you know, call something in that kind of stuff. Um, uh, let me make sure, you know, get, make, make sure you, your ducks are in a row before you walk into something. Uh, you know, the whole, I think most of us say this, you know, if you're, something happens to your apparatus or your people, let me know right away so I can get ahead of it, that kind of thing. Um, but, you know, it, I really do, uh, as a, as a, as a new company officer, go in and, and take the temperature, see who you're dealing with, find there's at least one person on that shift that you either, you know, or, you know, is very good at the job and pull them aside and, and say, Hey, look, you know, what, what do we, what, how can I help? And, uh, another thing I always like to do as a new, as a new company officer was go in and say, uh, who's, who's working on something. What, what, what can we do today? We're going to do something today, this afternoon. What do we, what are you guys either already working on? Somebody doing driver's training, somebody uh, doing the maps. You got a new, new person to the, to the ship that doesn't know all the response district yet. Like what can we do? Um, you know, and, and, there's always at least one or two, or sometimes there's a lot. <laughs> People throw a lot of stuff out and then you just, you know, okay, pick one. What are we going to do? And uh, you kind of open it up and give them, you empower them and give them ownership. Okay, because you're, you know, you're, a, you're a new Lieutenant, but you're, you could be going into a shift that's so well run that uh, all they need you to do is go in and ride the right front seat and support them. Or you could be going into a place where, you know, the one person, you know, might say, hey, look, man, the uh, our regular officer really is uh, is not not getting these folks out and that kind of stuff. Um, and then, you know, that's that's the great opener. Hey, what are we going? It's not. Hey, oh, uh, do you guys want to do something today? It's uh, what are we what are we doing today? Let's let's, you know, one thirty after lunch. Uh, let's get out and do something. What, what are we doing? And, and, you know, that starts the conversation. Well, again, just giving these folks that you don't, that you don't work with on a regular basis as a new company officer, giving them, empowering them and giving them options, I think goes uh, such a long way into uh, your leadership. I remember, you know, getting promoted to lieutenant and uh, I still felt like I was fairly young um, and then going to a station that, um, you know, it was. I went from uh, you know one battalion to you know the, so- the other southern end of of the county uh, to a whole different battalion, and, and and actually stepped into a shift of people that I did not know. I didn't know anybody, and uh, not even of some people. It's just like I didn't know anybody. And the captain that I was supposed to work under was on a detail to the training academy because he was the lead instructor. So he was working at the academy during the day. They had him off at night. So basically I walked in as a brand new lieutenant as basically the captain. And, uh, you know, talk about deer in the headlights and starting from scratch. And and, uh, I did did subconsciously, you know – we were never tra- formally trained to be leaders or things like that. It was we didn't have officer candidate school back then when I was, uh, you know, came through the lieutenant. So it was kind of like trial and error. And I, I kind of kept my head down a little bit, kept a little quiet, and I kind of watched what the shift was doing and saw how they functioned together. And you kind of got a feeling of who the players were and and uh, who uh, who were the strong people and 
who they looked to for advice and things like that. And slowly but surely, you know, you start to feel, you start to gel with the guys and, and uh, you start running some calls and they're all doing the right thing. You know, I was fortunate enough. I was on a, on a decent shift where everybody uh, wanted to do the right thing. They um, they were constantly aware of what they were doing when they were on the fire ground or when they were running any type of call. Um it was like clockwork, you know, as soon as four o'clock hit, they were automatically cleaning the firehouse. They were mopping and sweeping and, uh, you know, the, the, the guy that was cooking dinner was already got dinner going and everything. So it was like, I didn't have to say much. So I think that you people that are listening that are becoming new officers, don't go in there, you know, with the, with the iron fist, like I'm the officer now, and boom, I'm going to change this place and it's going to be molded how I see it should be. You know, the biggest thing is, is go in and, and like you said, Sam, take that pulse, take a look at what's going on, find out who the leaders are on that particular ship, because anybody can be a leader. Um, and then pull you, like you said, pull that guy aside, guy or gal aside and say, Hey, um, help me out here. You know, what are some things that are working on? What are some things that have been some, uh, some roadblocks that uh, that you guys would like to move through. What, what any any issues, any underlying problems, or anything like that? And, and you know, how can we work on this stuff? But the biggest thing is is that you know, you being the officer, are not you are not the focal person. You you are just part of the organization. You're there as to make sure that the organization is successful. And um, I think you'll find when you know, it goes a lot further when you ask those questions of what do you guys need from me what can we do um what roadblocks are out there how can we uh continue to move forward with success and i think you'll find that you build your leadership credibility pretty quick um I remember moving through as a captain. I was fortunate enough to stay. In, I was staying in that battalion, and I moved to another station that we constantly ran with. So uh, I already knew the players, and, and I already kind of knew what the roadblocks were. So I had it kind of easy um, when it came to that. And then when I became a battalion chief, I, uh, I was fortunate enough that I got to float in two different battalions for, I think, what is it, maybe six years, um, and uh, two busy battalions. So I really got to know everybody you know between all three shifts um you know got got to know the out of those two battalions all three shifts and and how everybody worked and how different they were but how the same they were and then when i when i uh, finally transferred onto the shift that i'm on now um i knew the players but even for that first few weeks uh other than doing rounds and just talking to everybody i really didn't throw out my expectations until almost the, the, the one month mark. And then I put out expectations and it was like three pages worth. But the funny thing is, is, you know, the, the moment they get the expectations, they're probably looking at it and go three pages. Are you kidding me? But it was all stuff they were already doing. Like you said, you know, make sure that we're putting hose on the street when it needs to happen. Make sure that we're giving good on scene reports. That was already happening. Make sure you're wearing your gear. Um, and like you said, Sam, if something happens, something happens to the apparatus or something happens in the station, let me know right away so I can get in front of it. I'm here to protect you. I'm here to be an advocate for you. And if you're wrong, then I'll tell you, here's where you're wrong. Here's how we're going to fix it. And then we're going to move forward from there. But if I know about it, I can protect you guys. And, and, uh, and when they're doing the things that are right, I'm right out front with those uh, with, with the things that we're doing right. I'm writing it up. I'm sending it up to headquarters. Hey, here's the things that we're doing. Um, we started a Twitter page. I'm putting pictures out of all the training that they're doing because 
to me, it's important for those guys to understand that, hey, I'm watching and you guys are doing great and I truly appreciate what you're doing. And I think that goes a long way uh, um, to build your leadership credibility as well. And we all know that uh, it's very difficult to earn that respect. Um, but as a battalion chief or as a leader of an organization, you should be trying to earn that respect every single day. You can't just sit around um, with your feet up on the desk, even though I do that in the evening sometimes when I'm watching TV. But um, you have to be the person that's out there for their people as their representative, as their voice, and you're there to make sure that they're protected. Um, so when you moved into your role, Sam, as a battalion chief, you, you went from one battalion to another battalion. You were fortunate enough that you were familiar with most of the people that are in the battalion, and it's a fairly busy battalion. How did you tackle that, and, and how do you feel that you are working to earn their respect? It's um, well, <clears throat> actually, the so when I when I was initially bumped up, I was bumped up into the battalion. I'm a, I'm a chief in now, uh, so I went, uh, you know, I, I bounced around a little bit, bumped up, and then ended up back in my original bump up spot. So I already had established a good bit of rapport. There were a few different players. Um, you know, a few different new company officers and firefighters, but by and large, I already knew how, how that was going. Um, you know, I'm just getting to the point now, uh, with between COVID summer, summer training initiatives, uh, department issues and stuff where I'm starting the, um, I do monthly battalion trainings. And this first one is on, uh, you know, apt, very aptly with what's been going on around us, uh, red flags and maydays. So, so, you know, so I, I, I know, uh, we've had a few, I've had a few fires with them, not, not anything, um, where I've had to do an after action where I've, been, I've noted deficiencies or anything like that, but it's one of those things, all this stuff's happening around us where uh, folks are pulling up on fires, there's burn throughs and floors. Uh, we've had some, uh, weather related incidents where, you know, historically you run a lightning strike, you're like, okay, well, the cupola is on fire or. It struck, you know, here, we're going to look here. But may, meanwhile, here we've had four major incidents in our, in, in the, in our region uh, where lightning strikes have led to serious fires and, and uh, two that led to a lot of duty deaths. So it's taking the stuff that, uh, you know, finding a topic that I think would, would work well. And uh, what I'm doing actually is the first, so I'm, I'm, this, is, uh, this first one is a two-month thing. Subsequent ones are going to be run by the company officers on a monthly basis. So I've thrown it out to them already. Hey, give me some topics for future trainings. But this first one, uh, the first month, I'm, I've given them a bunch of information. I want them to use that information to conduct a company drill. And then in October, we're going to do a, 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 a battalion. You know, not, not everybody in the battalion at once, but we're going to ro rotate two engines in a special service through per shift and run a mayday scenario and uh you know not making it I, i'm not, it's one of those things where i've given them enough information to where i know they'll be successful but i also held back enough to know where uh i'll be able to identify if there's any any things that we need to, to work on or improve upon um so that's definitely a you know i'm in that point in my in my tenure as a battalion chief in in, in the battalion i'm working with where I feel like, uh, okay, let's, let's pull, let's start this training and, uh, and give them the opportunity again to, to, to prepare their folks for this thing. And then let's see how they operate 
and then we can we can make some adjustments from there. So that's that's what I'm doing right now to uh, to 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 dig down that next layer in my in, in how my folks operate. I uh, I like the fact that uh, you know you, you say hey here's what we're going to do and then you tell your guys put it together run with it and then we're going to come and we're going to test on it. Um, I empowered I, I think empowering your people uh, whether it's a firefighter if it's got you know one week on the job or it's a firefighter that's got twenty years on the job or your lieutenant or your captain you know I I told in my expectations I told my captains I don't want you guys delivering all the drills. Because it'll get stale. I said, tap the resources that are on your shift. Find out what your people know and say, hey, in two weeks I need you to give a drill uh, at the lineup table or at, after dinner or whatever um, on whatever topic you want. But I want it to be some type of a visual drill, whether it be a PowerPoint drill or whatever. And if it's PowerPoint, a minimum of a certain number of slides, factual information that 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 actually – coincides with our policies and procedures. And I said, when you when you empower your people to put something together, um, they're going to you know, knock it out of the park. Uh, one of the things that, that I have tried to tell my captains is that when you have somebody that you want to deem, quote unquote, as a problem child or a naysayer or the negative person, and we all know that they're, they're out there, go to that person and say, hey, uh, on this day, on this month, I need you to deliver a drill on search and rescue, and uh, it has to coincide with our policies. It's got to be a PowerPoint presentation. It's got to be minimum 30 minutes. And now you put that pressure back on them, and I guarantee you most people don't want to look like a fool in front of their peers. They're going to knock that drill out of the park. They're going to put a lot of work and effort into it, and they're going to get it done. Um, And then you pull that person aside and say, man, that was a fantastic drill. I really appreciate you know, the knowledge that you put out there, I think everybody walked away with something and you'll start to slowly see their attitude change a little bit when they start to feel that they're valued. Um, it's funny when I put my, my expectations out, one of the first things I said is, look, I want you guys to be really comfortable with the bread and butter operations, the day-to-day things that we do, the calls that we run 95% of the time. I want you to know those cold when it comes to that 1% or that, 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 what is it? The uh, high high risk, low frequency type calls. I need you to be familiar with it, but I don't want you knocking yourself out and studying it every single day. And I even put an example on there. I said, you know, like rope rescue and thing like that. We don't do that that often. You still need to know that information. If you're riding the truck company, you need to know how to set that stuff up. But I really want you to key in on, you know, pull lines and, you know, search and rescue and building construction and and salvage and overhaul and, and all that kinds of stuff. So everybody was on board with that. And the first drill that I did with those guys was a low, uh, a slopey vac over a low land uh, rope rescue. And man, you should have heard those guys call me all kinds of names. But it was pretty funny because... I took, I took our mannequin, and I got, got to work at about 4.30 in the morning. I took the mannequin, drove down to an, a remote area, basically hiked way down to the bottom of a bridge over a ravine, and just put the mannequin down there. Came back up, got in the battalion car, came back. Uh, they had their lineup, and then I, I pretty much called everybody, to, or called the officers to the office, and said, all right, we got a drill. This company, this company, and this company, I need you to meet me at a certain address because um, uh, we're going to go over some stuff. So they get there, and I turned to them, and I said, the guy fell down to the bottom of that ravine. They're about 100 feet down. I need you to use rope system to get him back up. And everybody called me an MFR. And you said you weren't going to, you know, worry about the rope and all the 1% stuff and the first thing out of the gate. But you know what, Sam? Those guys performed flawlessly. 
They got their rope system set up. They got the the uh, the mannequin and the Stokes basset. They used a hauling system to bring it back up. They had the patient, quote unquote, um, packaged and ready to go for whatever injuries that that uh, they had. And it was all said and done. I kind of pulled them aside and I said, you know, I let them hot wash it and let them do the hot wash themselves. And then I said, look, I know what I told you guys. I said, but coming right out of the gate, now I know what your capabilities are for that 1%. So let's concentrate on those um, those bread and butter skills. But let's also make sure that when we do have to run that metro incident with, with uh, you know, or heavy rail incident or a rope rescue or water rescue, whatever, we're going to be every bit as ready for that call as we are for the normal calls. And uh, we still joke about it to this day, but just seeing the guys work and knowing their job is that satisfaction to me knows that I, I'm, I've, I've got myself on a really good shift. These guys take their job seriously. There was no groaning or anything. They just went and did it. So um, I think that, uh, you know, and letting them know that they did a good job, I think the pat on the back and, and the accolades that you get from your superiors, I think, goes a lot further uh, than just the, you know, the, the, the award ceremony and stuff like that. I think the day-to-day accolades that these guys get, I think, means a lot more when they know their bosses know that they're doing a good job. What have you seen in, in the arena since you've taken over uh, on, on your battalion and, and uh, training with your guys? Well, I definitely have noticed that uh, it's nice. I've had a couple inc- incidents where, you know, things, uh, the fire went out, um, you know, folks were uh, taken care of, uh, you know, the incident response policy was followed, but there's always like one little thing. And uh, before I could even address it, so this is two separate incidents, before I could even address it with those folks, they came to me about it, which let, let me know, A, they knew it was an issue. B, um, they were going to do everything in their power to ensure it didn't happen again. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just nice, you know, again, you can have a challenging shift or battalion of folks where everything doesn't go right. Um, or where a lot of things don't go right, but what, what may, what separates you from somebody that maybe doesn't care or isn't going to do right by their people and by the organization and by the, the people we protect is that you get in there and you address it and, you know, you, you don't have to make it punitive. Um, you can pull them aside. Uh, you, you, hey, look, we need to work on this. Um, you don't have to even put an email out. You know, that's it's the whole point of going out and doing rounds, right? It's, hey, look, you're going to see me often. I'm going to pull in. Most of the times I'm just saying hi, see if you need anything, um, talking about whatever. But it's a perfect opportunity. You know, they have the comfortability, however you say it, (laughs) the comfort of knowing that you're coming. They know you're not coming in to hammer them. They know you're you're coming in often enough to know that you want to see them and talk to them. You come in and you already have that rapport with them where they're comfortable to talk to you about anything. When you you go in with these issues, it's easy to kind of say, hey, look, you know, this – I know you know this happened. I know it happened too. We need to make sure we, we need to try to make sure it doesn't happen again. And here's how we can do it, you know. And uh, if it's if it's something egregious or something where you know it's a repeat type thing, you know, you can bring drills into it. But again, making it positive because you make it positive and you empower your people to fix it. They're they're more apt to you know to, at two a.m. going down the road to remember it and and to say you know what. We're not, we're not going to make the mistake again. We're going to do everything in our power to, to not make the mistake 
And not because we want to make the battalion chief happy, because A, it's the right thing to do. And uh, B, we owe it to the community. We protect and do it right. So, um, you know, it's, it's definitely, it's been, it's been refreshing. Uh, I, I'm definitely fortunate in having the battalion I have and shift that I have in that uh, I don't, I don't have to, I'm not, I'm not pulling my hair out on every call. <laughs> I'm going th- in, seeing a lot of things go right. And uh, being able to reinforce those things uh, in a positive way. So. Having your guys come to you knowing that there was an issue and bringing that to you before you even had the chance to bring it to them, to me, is huge. That That's showing that they have accountability for their actions and for their people and that uh, not only that they know they hey, this didn't go as well as we wanted to, we know we can do better. Here's what we're going to do to make sure that it doesn't happen again. We apologize for uh, for whatever it was. And, you know, your, your whole reaction is most likely like, all right, very good. I, I appreciate you stepping up to the plate for that. And, uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, this is a done deal. We don't have to talk about it no more. So the fact that, that they, they took that ownership or they took the accountability for – uh, whatever didn't go as well as they wanted it to, to me is huge. You know, it, it's that's that humility, and in my eyes, that captain's earning that respect as well. Saying these are my guys, uh, this is what happened wrong. It's it's my responsibility to make sure it doesn't happen again. I assure you, it won't happen again. Uh, this is what we're going to do to make sure that it doesn't happen. And uh, you know, to me, end of conversation. Ten four. Um, <laughs> I think that uh, having uh, as as when you are working on a shift where things just run smooth, and I, I tell people this all the time, I said, I, I really enjoy watching my guys work uh, when we're running a, a full assignment. If it's a working fire, um, watching them do what they need to do, it's like watching an orchestra in front of you. Everything's laid out the way it's supposed to be. Um, things are happening the way they're supposed to be happening, and you will find that there's very little. Uh, talk on the radio from the chief to the units of stuff that has to get done because it's already getting done. I've actually had um, my bosses come to me and say, hey, you know, you weren't embedding any objectives. You weren't saying this. This wasn't happening. And my answer to them was they were already doing that. So what good would for me to say, look, I need you to get a line, pull it in on side A, uh, go to the first floor. You're going to be my division one commander. I need you to get a line on that fire. Go ahead and get it knocked while the crews are uh, doing a search. They're already doing that. So for me to tell them to do something they're already doing is a waste of radio time. So I find myself not having to say as much on the radio, small corrections here or there, uh, maybe I don't hear from them in a timely manner. I'm calling them. Hey, give me your LCAN. Uh, for those that don't know, that's the location, condition, action, needs. Um, tell me what's going on. Um, and I've told my guys, if you feed me information, I will continue to let you work unless the information you're feeding me isn't matching what I'm seeing. Um, but if everything's legit, I'm going to let you go to work. And, and there really shouldn't be a lot of radio chatter going on. Um, if everybody's where they're supposed to be, then all sides of the building, interior and exterior, ladders, search, utilities, all that stuff should be done. So you should be hearing communications back from your guys saying utilities are controlled, gas is controlled, uh, searches are negative, all occupants are out, they're out in front of the house right by the tree, nobody's hurt. These are questions that, these are loops that need to be closed. They're closing them before you ever have a chance to ask them of uh, that information. So... I think when you have laid out your expectations in advance and 
they know what you're expecting of them and they give that to you, it makes your job so much easier. And it's just a, it's a comfort when you roll up on the scene and everything's already happening. You're hearing the chatter when you're going down the road. You get on the scene, you get a quick report, you assume the command, and everybody's doing what they need to do. And the guys know that if things aren't going the way they're supposed to go, they're going to call me back and say, hey, we need more line. Hey, I don't have enough pressure. Hey, we've got fire with extension onto the floor above. Make sure you get somebody up there. They're giving me that information, allowing me to make better decisions on the, the feedback that they're giving me. Um, are you finding that in the battalion as you moving forward in, in your uh, your role as a battalion chief? Yeah, absolutely. And and <clears throat> it's a push-pull communications, and, and I haven't even had to have like a, a an official push-pull communications chat with anybody in my battalion because they, they're giving me the good information. I'm not having to pull it from them. Um, you know, that, that's how you know you have a squared away company. They're giving you they're giving you information that maybe you were about to, you know, hit the uh, the PTT and ask them, hey, you know, blah, 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 and they're giving it to you already. Or you're, you know, you're looking at something else and they give you some information that um, once you got to that portion of the incident, you were going to have to ask them a question. They, they provide the information for you. It does make it easy. And it goes back to, uh, you know, the Chief Bailey said it, you know, more than once, certainly to me, it's like sometimes the if you're just at home in the middle of the night listening to an incident, um, sometimes listening to it, uh, not sometimes, pretty much all the time, you, you're you're getting a piece of it. You're not you're not, you you know I've, I've listened to incidents where I've been like, man, that, I don't think that really went well. And then the next morning, you're you're calling guys that you know that were on the call, calling people, and, and hey, how did you know how did they go? What was going on? And you're like, man, that really went well. And then you hear. Or you read the after action, you're like, wow, that really went well. Didn't sound like that on the radio, but they had so much stuff going on that, you know, <laughs> the incident commander had the wherewithal to not booger up the radio with a bunch of stuff because he knew he was going to get a push, critical push communications. And, um, yeah, it's, you're just not going to get that full piece from just listening. It's, it's listening, certainly being there uh, trumps everything, but if you're not able to be there listening and then, Talking to folks you know about it um, helps, but having that, knowing that your folks are pushing stuff to you, and you're, you're not having to constantly pull. Um, that you know, even though even though some some stuff, the critical, especially the critical stuff, we're trusting but verifying. Hey, um, I know you're not going to pass a trap document. I know you're not going to pass an injured document. I know you're not going to pass f uh, fire, you know, uh, extension from a fire that you just suppressed. But you're, those are critical things that you want to, hey, listen, just, I, I know you did it. Let me say it. I'm not going to say it with everything. I'm going to say it with these critical things just to make sure. And, and just in case you have so much going on that one of these critical things, you didn't forget it, but you either haven't gotten to it or you're, you're, you've got other things going on and you want to make sure it's on the radar, you know, that kind of thing. That uh, trust but verify, and I've talked about this on the uh, on the on several shows. Um, I tell people, I said it's all in how you ask. Um, if you say, uh, you know, command to rescue squad uh, three, uh, did you do a, a primary search? And they're going to come back. Yeah, I did a primary search. It's my job. I'm doing a primary search. You know, 
Or if you to if you want to get that information, you turn around and say it a different way, like, "Hey, command to uh, Rescue Squad Three, while you were doing your primary search, um, once you're finished with that primary search, can you move to the second floor and, and go ahead and start there and let me know what the uh, status of your search is?" It's a and they'll they'll come back and say, "Okay, copy. We're just finishing our primary search. Now we're going to move up to the second floor." Um, it's all in how you say it. I know you're doing it. You may not be doing it, but uh, if you're not doing it, then I'm kind of giving you a prompt, and I'm giving you a way out. You know, so if if you say uh, you know command to uh, truck one, um, did you open up the ceilings? You know, <laughs> or if you say command to truck one, when you opened up the ceilings, uh, did you see any extension or anything like that? And they might be like, oh shit, uh, let me go get a couple of hooks and let me open up the ceiling real quick. Yeah, chief, we're opening up the ceilings right now. I'll give you a report back in a second. You know, you know, so it's all in, it's, I know you did it. I just need to make sure that you did it, but that's the, the way you ask it. Um, you, it, it's that whole, you get a lot more flies with honey than you do with vinegar type thing. Um, and I know, you know, that, that you've got so many things going on that, uh, some things do kind of, uh, fall through the wayside. You know, our staffing isn't like we would love to have it, you know, if we could have six on everything, but, uh, we don't. So we know that we're tasking our guys to do a lot of work. So it's just like, hey, uh, while you're doing this, uh, what did you find with that or whatever? You know, and you're giving them that option like, yep, we're just finishing that up now. I'll give you a report back in a second. So it's on the radio or, or on the radar. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to touch on, you know, in our county, we run with two, two battalion chiefs or two command officers. Um, when things are going so well, and you can attest to this, Sam, when, when you get into the car, especially if it's with me or whatever, and everything's moving like it should. You've already done your circle lap. You're coming back. Hey, they've got ladders in the rear. A little bit of smoke. Looks like they're getting a light on the fire. It's pretty lighthearted in the car, would you say? I mean, sometimes we're kind of joking and whatnot because we know our guys are doing it. It's not tense and it's not this super hyper-focused and, and uh, the tunnel vision type thing and uh, this air of nervousness. I mean, we're, we're, we're always nervous for our guys. We don't want them to be hurt. But because things are moving so well, it's it's – we kind of relax our shoulders a little bit and we we're able to, to kind of be a little lighthearted with each other and, and, and move forward. Uh, that makes our job as battalion chiefs a little, a little cleaner, wouldn't you say? No, absolutely. And, you know, we have, uh, you know, <clears throat> we have this, uh, you know, the, the second chief and car checklist that's on the visor and the passenger side. So when you get in, uh, if it's not going hot, you can pull that down. And, and look, and there's some critical things in there. There's some standard things in there. And then there's like a conflict resolution thing. And, you know, nine times out of 10, you're getting in the car. And, you know, even if you, even if you don't flip that down, you know, uh, all this stuff's been done. The incident's de-escalating. As you're coming in, you know, you're listening to the radio. Um, before you get in the car, you're doing a lap, developing some situational awareness, that kind of thing. But, um, but yeah, it's nice when you come in. And I think that's... That's definitely the um, it's it's the it's the norm. It's not the exception that 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 you get into the the command vehicle and as a support, you know, second battalion chief, and you're if anything, you're uh, you've already listened. You see what's going on. You, you know if if there's some if there's one little thing missing, you, you're bringing it up. But otherwise, you're just there um, listening to you know you finish running your call and then in the, yeah, it's, it's all, it's nice. It's a, it's a, 
really for you and I, it's a chance to catch up. It's nice that we work together. We work in neighboring battalions and we get to run calls together. And, uh, you know, even when it's that way, by the way, as a new battalion chief, I'm picking up stuff going down the road, picking up stuff that you're saying on the radio. I do the same thing with, uh, I'm surrounded by veteran battalion chiefs. So I hear, I hear you and, and the other, the other two that I run with routinely say things and do things. And I'm like, Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> so it's nice. It's refreshing. Um, certainly as a new guy, it's very refreshing to come in and, uh, respond and operate with, uh, with veteran veteran battalion chiefs that know what's going on, know what they're doing. And, uh, I always learn something. I'm, I'm, you know, we all do. Um, but I'm definitely every call. I, I, there's another thing that I'll either jot down or, or think about. And I'm like, okay, let's make sure that happens in my next call. <laughs> and, and keeping, keeping that, I don't want to say lighthearted. I don't want the listeners to think like, Oh, you guys are joking around, goofing off in the car while, you know, burning a house <laughs> up or anything. It's not like that at all. No. It's, it's more of, you know, we know that everything's going well. The guys are performing like they're supposed to. Um, so we can, you know, kind of keep it a little lighthearted, um, you know, based on what's going on. And, uh, most of the time, uh, you don't, you don't even have to, you know, if, if, if the incident is escalating and it's, you know, there's a lot of moving parts that, you know, I might say, Hey, take over the radio. I'm going to finish jotting stuff down on my tactical worksheet, or I might give you the tactical worksheet. And there's like two things written on it. And I've got 15 things that are happening. So you're going to be playing catch up for me while I'm taking care of the radio, but I'd say nine times, uh, eight times out of ten, um, you're getting in the car and, and uh, things are, are being handled by by the shift, and you know right away, hey, look, I'm going to have to, you know, give him a hand uh, getting his hands around this kind of stuff. And, and uh, it's it's nice to know, you know, the, the five battalion chiefs that are running on our shift, we're all like-minded, and, and it doesn't matter where we're running in the county, whoever's getting in the car, we're uh, we're all kind of on the same page, so... You know, and I know when I was a new battalion chief, I was intimidated. I was fortunate enough that a couple of the big fires I had, I had some experienced battalion chiefs with me um, that guided me through running the calls, and and uh, it really boosted my confidence up. And and uh, hopefully, when you're running the calls with myself and and uh, the battalions that neighbor you, you're getting that good vibe too, and uh, we're boosting your confidence. I've heard you run calls. I've been on calls that you're running. And, uh, you know, nothing seems to be out of the ordinary, so it's, it's, it's more par for the course for you. <laughs> That's good to know. <laughs> I'm getting there. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to go ahead and, and, and wrap this up. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very pleased that I was able to talk to you. I always like, you know, bounce, we bounce stuff off of each other and, and um, you know, we're, we're working the same shift and things like that. So we get to see each other quite a bit. Plus teaching with Capital Fire and teaching at our training academy and this and that. So it's nice to be able to just, you know, kind of throw out there to the people that are listening, you know, how do, how do we deal with any day-to-day operations? And, and, and I'm, I'm happy to say that a majority of, the, of my days are pretty mundane. They're, they're almost on autopilot um, for the most part. The guys police themselves. Um, uh, they know that, that when they knock on my door or they call me on the phone, they have an issue. They've already got a, a potential solution to the problem, and basically all they're doing is letting me know what's going on so I can get out in front of it, and then offering their solutions to make sure that I'm good with that. And, and nine times out of ten, absolutely, 
Um, yeah, go ahead, move forward with that course of action. If you need anything, let me know. Or I might say, hey, uh, we, we can't do that right now. Let's tweak this a little bit and we'll make it so it works. So I'm fortunate that uh, my guys have taken that, hey, come at me with, it's fine to come at me with problems, but also have potential solutions. So it's teaching them to think a little critically and, and uh, to be able to to offer those solutions and, and hopefully in their mind that puts them moving forward for the next step in their career if they want to end up being in behind my desk, which I'm perfectly fine with. I'm at the, the very uh, end of, of my career. I probably got about another three years and, and I'll be gone. Um, but uh, I definitely want to make sure that uh, the people that are coming in behind me, I'm, I'm putting a good succession plan together. Um, and I'm giving them what they need. And uh, I know you've got a few more miles under your belt, Sam. And, and uh, But uh, hopefully, you know, your people, that they're coming to you with issues, you're going to empower them to, hey, think of a solution. What are you going to do? Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's, you know, it's nice. I already have a, a captain in my battalion who's on the well-qualified list for battalion chief, and he's actually, you know, regularly bumped up and uh, – and you know he 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 doesn't need my help, but uh, it's it's been nice to to be able to bounce things off of him and and uh, and talk to him about certain things uh, directly related to the job. And uh, I know he's going to go on to to do well in our organization for sure. Good, good to hear. You know, it's it's nice to to groom. You know, to hear you know managers or management grooming the people that are coming up behind them to do the job. I want somebody to come. To, to be able to take my job and, and, and move forward with it. Um, that whole mentality of, well, I got mine and I'm going to put my arms around it, build myself a silo and not let anybody else in because God forbid they might do a better job than I do. And now I don't look as good as I think I look. Um, to me, that's your ego getting in the way and you need to put that aside and, and uh, you know, make sure that the people are coming behind you or better. You want them to yeah. be better because you want the fire service to be better. You know, it's, it's, Fire service is always evolving and changing, so you need to make sure that the people that are coming in behind you are capable of, of being able to change. So with that, Sam, thank you very much for being on the show. I appreciate it, and uh, it's always good to hear uh, your perspective on things and, and, and how you see things, and, and um, you, you bring a nice bit of uh, value to, uh, to this particular program. So thanks for get, again for being on Side Alpha Leadership Podcast. Now, it's always uh, always glad to be a part of it, and uh, I really appreciate the opportunity, man. It means a lot. Absolutely. So take care of yourself. Be safe. Feed your cats. Take care of your kids, and take care of your wife. <laughs> Will do. <laughs> take Will it do, easy. Brother. All right, man. See ya. Bye. See ya. If you like this show or any other show, please leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast listening platform you're listening to. You can look for us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. If you'd like to contact us, please don't hesitate to drop us a note at sidealphaleadership at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.